Hey, everybody, up next on the Matt Townsend Show, I may do a lot of public speaking events, but that doesn't necessarily make it easier on me. In a bit, we're going to be talking about what you should do when you're put on the spot. Up next. Good afternoon. I'm Devin Dewey for Sirius XM 143 BYU Radio. Missouri Congressman Todd Aiken insists he's staying in the Senate race, but will he? Missouri election law allows candidates to withdraw 11 weeks before Election Day, meaning Todd Aiken has until 6 p.m. Eastern to formally withdraw. Otherwise, a court order would be needed to remove the GOP candidate from the ballot. Pressure may be building on Aiken to bow out of the race over comments about women and rape. Aiken's vowed to fight on, but growing pressure against him includes the apparent loss of millions of dollars in party advertising money and waning support among fellow Republicans. If Aiken drops out, state Republicans would have two weeks to name a replacement. Matt Small, Washington. America's top general is safe after insurgent rocket fire damaged his plane on the ground in Afghanistan. Shrapnel hit the C-17 that had brought Joint Chiefs Chairman Martin Dempsey to Bagram Airfield. General Dempsey was already in his room. German Brigadier General Gunter Kott says the chairman had to find a different ride. So the general took another C-17 to continue his flight. Still, it's another propaganda coup for the Taliban, who say they targeted the plane using exact information about where it would be parked. But a coalition spokesman says insurgent fire comes from so far away, it's virtually impossible to hit specific targets. Sagar Megani at the Pentagon. Federal regulators have shut down a slaughterhouse in Central California. Undercover video sent to the Agriculture Department shows cows at Central Valley Meat Company, some unable to walk, being repeatedly shocked and shot before being slaughtered. The video is from the group Compassion Over Killing. Its executive director says what was caught on camera was just sickening. Online records show Central Valley Meat has contracted to sell ground beef to USDA food programs. Operations are suspended, and the government investigation will include whether sick downer cows enter the food supply. The owners of the company say they have not seen the video, but the livestock they handle are treated humanely. I'm Ed Donahue. And a court testimony shows New York police have no terror probes to show for years of surveillance. Six years of NYPD surveillance of Muslim neighborhoods, Muslim gatherings, and Muslim student groups have yet to generate a single terrorism investigation, according to newly unsealed court testimony. Assistant Chief Thomas Galati was deposed in June as part of a decades-old federal civil rights lawsuit. The testimony was disclosed this week. Galati said he was unaware of any case brought using information from the unit that did the spying. He commands the Intelligence Division, a unit he's been part of since 2006. Warren Levinson, New York. You're listening to BYU Radio. Radio on Sirius XM 143. I'm Devin Dewey. Good afternoon, everybody. Welcome to the Matt Townsend Show. I am your host, Matt Townsend, your coach, your guide on the side. We can we do what we can every day on this show to help you and your loved ones grow healthier, happier lives, uh, and see if you can't get ahead in this crazy thing we call life. And today we got a great topic for you. 
Ooh, I think it's a good one that's going to benefit you if you can just make it through. Now, imagine with me for a minute. Have you ever been sitting there and somebody, you know, at your office, uh, you're not quite ready for this moment. You're sitting there and your boss says, why don't we have Stan come on up and uh, share a few words about blah, 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 blah. And then all of a sudden, you've now been put on the spot and you have to deliver. When you think of that thought, does it absolutely terrify you? Does it make your hands start to water? Does it make your mouth go dry? And do you do you fear it more than anything on earth? Today we are talking about public speaking, I guess in a way, maybe more importantly, just being able to present yourself in a healthy way, uh, in a very public way. Uh, a lot of life now is coming down to um, the fact that you may need to perform here and there like a job interview. Do you feel like you have a clue how to have a healthy job interview, how to get through the interview? I um, once was with a company, and um, actually they were they were looking to hire me in this company uh, to be a director of training. And I was just on a tour of the building and going to go meet some executives to be interviewed. And one of the things the HR vice president said is, OK, what we'd like you to now do is we're just going to bring you into this meeting. And um, there's about 50 people in this room right now. And we would like you to give a 10-minute presentation because as our director of training, we're going to need you to make a presentation. And uh, that will be part of your interview. And then when you're gone, we'll ask them how they thought you did. And I was like, oh, that was funny. (laughs) That's good. You're funny. Well, he opens the door and there's 50 people sitting in this room. And all of a sudden, in the moment, I had to have a 10-minute presentation as the director of training to prepare and to present to this group. How would you handle that? What would you do? Would you lose it? Would you pass out right then? Would you save it and and, uh, go to the restroom and get ill? What would you do? How would you handle such pressure? He actually took about 10 minutes ahead of me, and while he was doing his 10 minutes uh, spiel, I was putting together something. Now, luckily for me, I have a book and content I could use. What would you do? How would you make it through that, or would that just totally push you over the edge? Today, we're going to be bringing in an expert communicator. Somebody that has to sit on a news station and sit at the anchor desk, award-winning reporter, former correspondent for Fox News, and um, also a, a media performance expert who who coaches people and, and media personalities on how to survive the spotlight. We're going to be talking to him, picking his brain. His name's John Dupree, a wonderful guy, and uh, just a ton of insight. So we'll be talking to him, but before we do, uh, there are some incredible speeches that have gone on in this world, speeches that inspire us. They make us laugh. And uh, what we wanted to do is we sent Catherine Allen, one of our producers, to go figure out what makes a speech famous. Speeches are those things that we have to endure at graduation ceremonies, political events, weddings, and those annoying training meetings for work. But do these speeches really have any form of meaning to our lives? Take John F. Kennedy's famous speech, Ich bin ein Berliner, given in 1963. Today, in the world of freedom, the proudest boast is, Ich bin ein Berliner. Now, not many of us would take pride in declaring, I am a jelly-filled donut. 
However, having tasted those fluffy, powdered sugar-dusted, jelly-filled donuts myself, I must say, there could be worse things than being a Berliner. It's not that bad. But I don't think that's what Kennedy was meaning. This speech is always fun to quote as a good example of what happens when translation goes wrong. However, this is also considered one of Kennedy's best speeches. The speech marked the tearing down of the Berlin Wall, the fall of communism, and a revival of hope. I think most of the speeches we listen to really don't have that much meaning in our lives. However, there are a few that we take time to memorize, to remember. Take President Lincoln's Gettysburg Address. To this day, those striking words, four score and seven years ago, our fathers brought forth upon this continent a new nation, conceived in liberty and dedicated to the proposition that all men are created equal, are still burned in my memory after having memorized them in 10th grade. Though I thought this task was torture at the time, I think my teacher was trying to inspire me, to help me learn from history. I know we weren't memorizing Lincoln's speech for its eloquence. We were memorizing it to remember the moment where the fallen were honored and America decided to unite as a nation once more. President Lincoln's address not only inspires 10th graders, but it also inspired another speech by Martin Luther King Jr. I have a dream. My four little children will one day live in a nation where they will not be judged by the color of their skin, but by the content of their character. Martin Luther King's speech also marked the end of an era and the beginning of a new hope. Speeches that we remember really do inspire. They really do change lives. So next time you're listening to your child's first grade graduation speech, think back on the times when you were inspired. Maybe your child will one day declare, I am a jelly-filled donut in front of an entire nation. Or maybe they will share their dream with the whole world. In any case, speeches make us laugh, cry, and even fall asleep. So enjoy the ride and be happy it isn't you up there. Awesome stuff, you little jelly-filled donut. Uh, tons of uh, tons of insight there. I, there's something about the, some of. I mean, when you think of Martin Luther King and delivering that that talk, that speech. It, and if you haven't sat and just watched it, go watch it as an adult with what you know, with what you, how you've lived, and it's just so, so powerful. So we want to give you some tools today. We're going to be bringing on an expert. We want to show you that, you know what, you've got something inside of you, and it might just be the need to, to produce a great, uh, you know, a great speech or to do a great job or you need to get hired. But if we want that light, that goodness that's inside of us, somehow we've got to get it out of us. And that's going to take some communication, some presentation skills. So on the show today, we're bringing on the experts who are going to help us show you, share with you the keys, the skills to be able to deliver what's in your heart and to change lives like Martin Luther King, like Abraham Lincoln did. Get the message outside of you by learning to communicate. That's the topic on today's show. You're listening to The Matt Townsend Show right here on Sirius XM 143 BYU Radio. If home energy bills these days are making you see red, 
Stay tuned to hear about a NASA-derived technology that could paint those blues away. This is Innovation Now. In the mid-1990s, David Page of Merritt Island, Florida, formed a company called Tech Traders Incorporated. His goal was to create an effective and environmentally friendly method for insulating homes. And he used space technology to do just that. With the help of NASA's Technology Transfer Program, the company worked with engineers at NASA and other partners to develop a special paint additive called Insulad. Based in part on technology used for the paint on shuttle booster rockets, the product turns ordinary house paint into heat-reflecting thermal paint. The powdery additive is made up of microscopic ceramic spheres that form a radiant heat barrier when dry. The product is designed to be mixed with any off-the-shelf paint to help hold heat in, reflect heat away, and resist moisture buildup. According to tech traders, Insulad is particularly well-suited for use on metal buildings, cold storage facilities such as walk-in coolers and freezers, and mobile or modular homes. I guess you can say that even though paint with Insulad comes in a myriad of different colors, it's still always green. Innovation Now is produced by the National Institute of Aerospace through collaboration with NASA. Travel the musical road of American history on Highway 89 Scenic Byway. With music from talented musicians from BYU campus and across the globe, Highway 89 brings you the best performances from classical to jazz and folk to rock. Tune in for a musical journey with Highway 89 at 10 p.m. Eastern on Sirius XM 143, BYU Radio. Welcome back, everybody, to the Matt Townsend Show. Today we are talking about public presentation, public speaking, hitting the mark. Okay, When you have to deliver on your mark, you've got to get those ideas out of your head. You've got to do that to get a better job, to get, get a job right now, for that matter. Or even just simply, you know, at church you're going to talk or say something or be able to get through a speech. I will never forget my first public speaking class, which made me decide I wanted to be a speaker, was um, I just would watch ladies. I watched a woman who's, um, who had hives. As she got up there, she was so nervous. You could see the hives work all the way up her neck, swelling in red. And I sat there and I thought, does that happen to me when I do this? And so today we're bringing on one of our experts, John Dupree, television anchor, who's going to help us kind of pick through that. Before we bring him on, though, we, um, we want to give you some other tools. So when preparing a speech, we're always concerned with the content of what we're going to say. Sometimes we forget about the actual presentation, though. Ben Wagner reports on the most basic rules of presentation when speaking in public. Surveys consistently show that speaking in front of a group is one of humanity's biggest fears. People are seriously scared of speaking in public. But you know what? Maybe they should be, since so many people seem to be so bad at it. Seriously, how many terrible sermons, speeches, talks, and lectures have you attended in your life? There are some pretty basic technical rules of public speaking that you think people would know, but I see these get violated all the time. Rule number one, no matter how bad you are at public speaking, the worst thing you can do is tell your audience. So please stop starting your address by saying, I hope you'll bear with me because I'm a terrible public speaker. Because the moment you tell me that is the moment I start playing Angry Birds. Seriously, have some self-esteem. Rule number two is related. Don't tell your audience that you're nervous. 
All that does is mess with your head, and honestly, no one is going to notice until you tell them. Rule number three, don't chew gum. You aren't playing first base for the San Diego Padres, so spit out your big league chew. The sin of Big Red won't help me concentrate on your message, and neither will that constant smacking sound reverbing through the microphone. Rule number four, be prepared. If you're not prepared, lie. Don't tell me how little you prepared or how you were on such short notice to prepare your remarks. If you didn't put the time in, why should I? And also, this is just too much information in general. I don't need the DVD extras behind the scenes of how you put this together. Just get on with it. Rule number five, stop trying to be cleverly self-aware. We all know that you're supposed to begin with a joke. There's no need to remind us by saying that they say you should begin with a joke, so here's mine. Just tell your joke and move on. Actually, that reminds me. Rule number six, you don't have to start with a joke, especially if the joke isn't funny or isn't in any way related to the rest of your speech. While a good joke right off the bat will get the audience involved, a bad one will have them turning to your worst enemy. Yes, I'm talking about Angry Birds again. Rule number seven, finally, don't ever, ever, ever simply read a prepared statement. Unless you're the president of the United States, a TV news anchor, or Tiger Woods, don't read verbatim what you prepared. You don't have a teleprompter, so having your head bowed as you read off what you wrote is boring. Also, you're not Mark Twain, so what you wrote probably isn't that great, so the only way to make it interesting is to smile, make eye contact with your audience, and be engaging. Look, these rules are not exhaustive, and you still have to have compelling content. But no matter how great your speech is, no one is going to care if you're chewing gum, reading in monotone, and constantly apologizing for how bad you are. Compelling content can't overcome bad presentation. Good stuff. I mean, I'm telling you, we've been working, we have been teaching Ben everything we know. And when Ben started with us, he didn't know any of those rules and was breaking all of them. And so we're so glad that we could work him through that. And now he's he's almost there. Um, it, it really is. The funny thing, we laugh about all that stuff that Ben was talking about, but it really is a big deal. Um, and communication is a make or break deal. I mean, in, to, in, in the information age, you can't just not communicate. You've got to do it. So we're bringing on one of our guests, John Dupree, our only guest today. John Dupree, he's a tele, he was a television anchor, award-winning reporter, former correspondent for the Fox News Network. He's an author. He runs currently a media consulting business called Dupree Media, where he provides performance and media relations. He, he does coaching and strategic communications consulting. His, his basic job is to help people Learn to talk. So, John, welcome to the program. Thank you. I'm all you've got today. I, well, you're, well, what more do we need, John? <laughs> I'm sorry. Well, we had Ben. <laughs> so Ben figured Ben helped us so much. All but right. what I love about what you're doing, John, you spent years having to hit a mark. You were an anchor, yeah, man, and then having to be out in the middle of a cold rainstorm or snowstorm somewhere you know and it. still deliver. Yeah. But you've gotten out of that, and now you're just helping regular folks. Yeah. What's the big deal? I mean, like, what drew you to want? I mean. You're a pro. You've been trained, lights, camera, makeup, the whole deal, and now you're out just teaching business people? I did it for 25 years in TV. I got pretty good at artificial, manufactured yeah, communication. Moments, yeah, Right? Uh, and when I started my media company, um, I realized that if I were going to be successful, if my clients were going to be successful, and my client's success equals my success, right. I'd have to take the skill set that I had uh, put together during my TV career and transfer it to this new discipline. Right. And so uh, all, all I know how to do is tell a story. 
And you can't teach what you don't know, so I figured, all right, I'll teach my clients how to tell their story. Which is critical. It's absolutely critical. For them, it's the difference between success and failure. Yeah. My clients, uh, a few of my clients are startup companies, yeah. technology companies, a couple of web-based IT companies, a couple of uh, medical science companies, brilliant people <laughs> doing amazing right. things that have the potential to help millions of people who just needed some help telling their story. I found a couple of them at venture capital group conferences. They needed help. They needed money. Man, they were looking they needed for money. money. And, and, and the drill is you stand in front of 50 to 150 people right. who are venture capitalists, angel funders, who've got millions of dollars and are looking for a place to put it for maximum return. They're looking for the next great idea, the next big thing. And these startup companies and the people who run them stand up on a stage, hold a microphone, and attempt to tell the story of why their company Ugh. is the next great See, thing. See, talk about pressure. I found this medical sciences company that had grown out of the University of Utah Research Park in Salt Lake City, Utah, who stood on stage, the four of them, mm. scientists, researchers, <laughs> guys who have more knowledge yeah. in their pinky fingernail than, than I have in, in my whole body. Right. And they look like eighth graders trying to deliver a book report. <laughs> it voices. was embarrassing. Oh. I approached them after the conference and said, how do you assess how you did? Oh, we're so embarrassed. Oh, we're so disappointed. Now we're worried that we're not going to get a dollar out of this convention. Uh, well, they ended up getting another round of $5 million really? in funding. But they hired me to do nothing other than help them frame their message and present their story. See, that's – and that is everywhere. They, think of just the average Joe going in to get a job. It's just as big of a deal for them. Th these guys got $5 million, But for the average Joe that doesn't have money right. or a job, it's just as important that he know how to frame his message. It's the story. difference between success and failure. My company started, unbeknownst to me, years before I retired from TV news. A friend of mine who worked for a PR and marketing firm in Phoenix, Arizona, called me one day and said, I need your help. We've got a client who's opting out of a national media opportunity. Uh, he's supposed to be on CNBC with Maria Bartiromo next yeah. week. He's telling his people, I'm not going to do it. It took me months to get this, to get this media, and we need, we need to train him. We need, we need a troubleshooting session. Will you come in? Will <laughs> you work with great. my guy? Well, he lived in a place where – and did business in a place where I was not a reporter, and so I said, okay, as a favor to you, I'll do it. Yeah. Um, brought him in put him in front of a camera, had my cameraman light up the room, and did a mock interview with him. And he, you created I the played pressure. the role yeah. of the interviewer, yeah. and he played the role of himself. He flop-sweated all over the floor, <laughs> Matt. He was terrible. We went into that. a conference room. Then we watched to... him on the flat screen. We did let him a do a self-critique. Oh, he needed one. We took a lunch break. We came back. I gave him a little PowerPoint presentation, sort of gave him the do's and don'ts, the, you know, the rules of yeah. the road. And what I taught him was, you know more about your topic. You know more about your story than any reporter, any interviewer, yeah. any critic will ever know. You are the expert. No one can compromise you. Because you're the expert. On you, on your topic, on anything. We did a take two. It was night and day. He had a, confidence. A business was born. And so, yeah, how do you apply what we learned in that setting to what we're trying yeah. to teach, what you're trying to right. teach your audience today? 
that you are in total command of what you know. It's your message. You have to own it. Why don't they – I guess it's just not natural to think this way. It's not like natural to think that you have to sell yourself – your message. I mean, so what is it? What's stopping these people from just the guys in business? These people are in business. They know it's selling themselves. What's stopping them? Well, my clients are the CEOs of corporations. Yeah. So you would think they'd get the message. They'd know how to tell their story. I mean, you know, we sat down. I sat down with a client uh, last year, and my first question was, "Okay, what's your mission statement?" He looked around the room at the six minions he'd brought in from the corporate <laughs> office, and he said, "What is our mission statement?" Oh. Well, let's back yeah. up two steps and let's Even if figure you don't out know. what our message is. <laughs> That's right. And then let's go to work on owning our message That's so that great. we can effectively present our message. These rules, these principles are universal. I love that. They apply not only to public speaking, not just to television, not yeah. just to not just to the business world. They apply not only to government and politics, but they apply to interpersonal communications. Which is so important. I mean, or even maybe at times more important. It might be costing you more agree. in your marriage, in your family. I would agree. With your neighbors. You know, you make one yeah. bad comment about your neighbor's fence. Yeah. Game on. There you go. <laughs> and I don't know if you know this, but I'm a divorced man. I didn't. I was married for 20 years. You, so you do know. I was married to a professional a communicator, an oh. anchor woman. Whom I didn't I, know that. Yeah, exactly. And, and and so professional communicator marries professional communicator, and for 20 years yeah. we bumped heads, unable to figure out what is the other person thinking. What you needed was a set in your house. <laughs> With microphones <laughs> if you and had cameras. Had a set, then you probably would have got it. it but it's, it's, that's painful. So, so we found out, I learned and she learned, that the ability to communicate your innermost thoughts and feelings is absolutely critical mm. to the success of a relationship, not oh, just yeah. a business, Love not it. just a political campaign. Mm -mm. It's life. Yeah. And one, one of the things I teach a lot is that our ability to communicate is what create those create that creates the interactions we have. Mm -hmm. The interactions we have determine the symbols we create together. So if we always interact negatively, we start creating negative symbols, and then these symbols just keep being repeated and creeping up and creeping up. So part of this, I guess, and and when we come back from a break in a minute, I do want you to, I want you to give us some of the principles. What are the tools? What are the ideas? Happy to. Um, I also want you to be thinking, and maybe you can even tell us a little bit now, what's, um, what do you think is the number one impediment? What's the number one problem that, that stops us? I mean, like I just see – I get introduced for speeches like twice a week. And when I see the person that's introducing me more terrified than me <laughs> to speak to yeah. their own people, right? I get nervous. Yeah. Like I'm almost more worried about what's wrong with you. Yeah. Are they that mean? Yeah. Um, I, so be thinking about that because – Okay. Well, by the way, when I say it, what comes to your mind? The number one impediment? Yeah. I, I think it comes back to self-confidence, self-awareness, and self-image. It's kind of having done it. It's being confident in that space. I can fake it with the best of them. Oh, yeah. But uh, in, in front of a television camera. Sure. But one-on-one, -on -one, that's – harder. That's another yeah. – uh, that's another uh, – uh, um, that's another game entirely. It's, I'll just it, put it that way. Well, I guess part of it is it's so much more real, isn't it? Through yeah. the glass, through the lenses, through the prompters, sure. it's 
you're hiding. Yeah. You can hide, but you can't one eye to eye. And especially yeah. like with your wife, for example, she can read you. Mm-hmm. She knows. She mm-hmm. knows when you're full of it. Right. And you know when she knows. I've you're always full said of it. a three year old can spot a phony a mile away. I love that. So if if if, if the kids uh, uh, like me. Then I know that I'm being genuine. Yeah, I think uh, I think the ability to uh, let go of my inhibitions about myself mm-hmm. and, and trust myself and the person I'm yeah. communicating with to In accept the, me for who and what huge. I am is probably the uh, the key to successful communications. I think you're right. I'd be happy to talk more. No, about we'll, that. we will for sure. When we come back, we'll, I want to talk about that because. How do you lose yourself? You almost have to lose yourself to find yourself in the conversation. I agree. Awesome. We're coming back with that. John Dupree uh, from Dupree Media. Really, you're going to have to check him out. We'll give you his website when we come back and uh, give you more tools and ideas right here on the Matt Townsend Show on Sirius XM 143 BYU Radio. Sirius XM 143. BYU Radio. The dog days of summer are over, and Cougar Sports are back on BYU Radio. This week, BYU and Utah begin their season-long quest for the state's crown of college sports, the Deseret First Duel. First up in the duel, the BYU women's soccer team, fresh off their thrilling victory at UC Irvine, travels to Salt Lake City to take on the Utes. This Saturday, starting at 3 p.m. Eastern Time, here on the home of Cougar Sports, Sirius XM 143, BYU Radio. Good afternoon, I'm Devin Dewey for Sirius XM 143, BYU Radio. President Obama is slamming Mitt Romney for budget plans he says would slash aid to college students. Speaking at Capitol College in Ohio, the president said Romney and running mate Paul Ryan would cut up to 20% from higher education, targeting money for Pell Grants and student loans. His economic plan makes one thing clear. He does not think investing in your future is is worth it. And he noted the advice Romney once gave a student worried about high tuition to seek a loan from the student's parents. Not everybody has parents who have the money to lend. That jive at Romney's wealth came as Obama sought to paint the Republicans as out of touch with the struggles of working families. Mark Smith at the White House. And if you can afford college, is it even worth it with the high rates of unemployment? Here's the answer. Yes, though what you study and where matters, according to the information from the Lumina Foundation and Georgetown University. Some college degrees, like counseling, don't produce any more money than if those students had not gone to college. And many two-year degrees produce better average earnings than some four-year programs. Overall, the number of jobs for those who have at least some college is growing at a healthy 4% annually. But the growth rate for high school-only jobs? Zero. Rita Foley, Washington. As the next generation of freshmen enters college, their teachers are being reminded that these kids see the world in a much different way. Most college freshmen were born in 1994 when Bill Clinton was president. This is our time. To them, Bill Clinton is a senior statesman now. Ron Neef is one of the authors of Beloit College's Mindset List. It's designed to make professors avoid sounding uncool. I know who Kurt Cobain is, and you got to remind them that he's been dead all their lives. Most in the class of 2016 watch television everywhere except on actual TV sets. And for a majority of them, their iconic TV series is Breaking Bad. I'm Ed Donahue. 
And the debate about how Chavis Carter of Arkansas was killed in the backseat of a police car continues. Dozens gathered last night in Memphis to pray for the young man who was fatally shot in the back of an Arkansas patrol car. The vigil outside the National Civil Rights Museum came hours after the release of an autopsy report in which police insist it was a suicide. Family attorney Benjamin Irwin doesn't buy it. People want justice. I don't think people are content with the answers that have been provided. Several people at the vigil continue to question how a man in handcuffs could manage to shoot himself in the head. Police contend they searched Carter twice but found no gun. Complicating matters, Carter tested positive for methamphetamine, anti-anxiety medication, and other drugs. I'm Brian Thomas. You're listening to BYU Radio on Sirius XM 143. I'm Devin Dewey. Welcome back, everybody, to the Matt Townsend Show. We have a guest, John Dupree, with us, who is a uh, the the founder, the the head consultant, the big cheese. Runs a media consulting business called I'm the Dupree only media. piece of cheese in that you're the, refrigerator. You're the good, I mean, you're good cheese. And uh, he's, a, he's a performance expert, a media relations expert. Um, he coaches people, organizations, <laughs> on how to tell their story. Man. We brought you in, though. I because, love you for making, trying to make me sound more important than well, I am. Well, you are the big cheese. Dude, how thank many, you. I thought, well, you have Whatever. your kids. Don't your kids work for you? Uh, one of my kids works for me. It's pass-through income. Yeah, it is. I hear. He's a he's a nice little write-off. <laughs> is he? I yeah. love my write-offs. Yeah. So, John, fill us in, because here we sit, all of us, every single human has to learn to communicate better, okay? And um, You are absolutely it's, it's right. It's going to cost us money. It's going to cost us jobs, marriages, life. What, what are – okay, give us the tools. So when you sit down as a coach and you're going to start working these people over – Mm-hmm. What are some of the things you teach? What are the do's, the don'ts? What should we, we be focusing on? Content is king. You have to know your message. And then once, with my help, my clients are able to condense, compress, and consolidate their message and turn it into is sometimes an elevator pitch, sometimes yeah, so a, a couple public minute speech. Pitch, a... Yeah. Once they're able to own their message – all of the sudden, their ability to communicate their message is enhanced, it's improved. So right. They become more effective, more powerful. It's all about owning your message. That's what. That's the rule that applies to public communications, to mass communications. Right. right. Yeah. But if we're going to talk about interpersonal communications, well, then we're playing a whole new game. Yeah. We're at a whole different level. We're communicating at the highest level. Yeah, you'd think it would be – see, we think Oprah is the highest level. No. I that's mean, the all, highest level is this eye-to-eye, face-to-face, That's the most intimate, the most personal, mm-hmm. and the closest form of communication. And therefore, I believe, and I think a lot of people would agree, the most difficult form oh, yeah. of communication. When nobody else is watching – Except yep. that person that you need to make a connection with. And eye what if that's your wife? Face. I mean, that's it's it's the riskiest. It's the most real. It's the most raw. It's yeah. where you're most vulnerable. I mean, it was probably easier for you to read a script on a set. Far easier, man. Than to yeah. just eye to oh, yeah. eye with somebody. Like Much that. easier. Isn't yeah. that funny? And but so what? I guess what uh, what are the principles? So one is owning your message, but I guess that's true. Just the same in my own relationships interpersonally. Okay. I've at least got to believe what I am saying, but 
But I found most of the time we don't. We don't even know what we're saying. We just are trying to not be hurt. You can't teach what you don't know. Mm-hmm. You can't sell what you don't believe in. Exactly. You can't communicate unless you uh, or until you own that message. So that's what I teach my clients. That's powerful. What I try to put into play in my own life with my kids, with my friends, with my family, with the people uh, with whom I worship, with whom I work on, you know, charitable projects, etc., is once we get to the point or until we get to the point where we're willing to trust. Yeah. Until I get to the point where I'm willing to trust you with my opinions, my thoughts, my feelings, I'm never going to be able to effectively communicate what I know and believe and what I feel. I think that it's an act of trust. Honest communication is an act of trust. It is. It's probably growing it or losing it. Yeah. Maintaining it. And uh, in fact, that's powerful because if I don't trust you, how do I listen to you? Mm -hmm. And if I do trust you, I give you so much more latitude. I guess that's true even in the mass communication world with you as an anchor. If I trust you as an anchor, Mm -hmm. you can say stuff. I mean, you know, Walter Cronkite could say stuff that Mm -hmm. the rest of us maybe not couldn't get away with because we trusted it. The most trusted man. Um, And I guess, too, as I've got to sit there and go make a presentation to a group, somehow this engagement is me trying to grow some trust with them. Mm -hmm. And so if I'm going to go hit my mark, what did you learn in journalism that would help me hit my mark in that group? Lead with your lead, your headline, your top story. Do it in inverted pyramid style. Present your message in inverted pyramid style. The biggest the most important, the most informative, the most enlightening, the most inspirational element of your message first. Lead with the lead with the headline. Lead with the headline. Lead with the lead. All right. Yeah. Uh, the great communicator Ronald Reagan right. said he never gave a speech more than twelve minutes long. I didn't. Anything oh. beyond twelve minutes was babble. Babble. Useless. Deliver the message. Tell them what you just told them. Mm-hmm. Get a laugh somewhere in between, yeah, make so it fun. you can make it fun, make it engaging, making it make it interesting, so you can make a connection with your audience, and then get off the stage. Right. Get out of there. Well, Keep it simple. Corinne Collins, our producer, says no. She always tries to imagine people um, uh, in various forms of undress. She well, just thinks that, that that puts her at ease. Corinne's British, and so she comes <laughs> She comes from a whole different She's perspective. She's going to kill me for that. <laughs> uh, we're going to hear from Corinne in a minute on well, one of our segments. Well, the, uh, the, uh, I can't wait to hear from Corinne. Oh, Your crazy. audience is going to love Corinne. Yeah, oh, they love her. She's on all the time. Oh, and good. She's, she's, that she's our almost endearing. British. She's our, she's our ABBC broadcaster. Oh, okay. She's the almost BBC broadcaster. Okay. That's but she's perfect. our she's our she master. She adds a touch of class to this she show. She totally I'm sure. does. Well, uh, you know the principle is universal. Yeah, and that is, uh, the communicator has to know and understand that everybody in the in the room is uh, 
is is just as vulnerable and just as apprehensive and just as afraid, just as uncertain as they are. Right. No matter how uncertain you might be as the presenter of the message, as the public speaker. So, yeah, there is something to that. Imagine them in their underwear yeah. theory that uh, I think Toastmasters. Well, first yeah, it's made awkward, famous. but it's it's helpful. It's if, a helpful awkward. Maybe if if you don't want to do that. Because <laughs> yeah, there's some much hairy fat guy in the front <laughs> yeah, row, right. right? Then you know there are ways that you can familiarize yourself mm-hmm. with the audience. I almost never stand behind a podium oh, no, yeah. when I give a speech. I try to never uh, stand or or sit in a place where I'm physically higher than my audience, yeah. because I'm already delivering the wrong message. Yeah, right. Just by being at a place that forces them to look up at me, mm-hmm. um, I try to get I, – I, I always walk out from behind the podium if there's a microphone that uh, you know will allow me to do that, and I walk down to the level of where the people who are usually seated right. are sitting. And well, that in, that's fa- endearing just right there. I mean I found I love it just because I, I get so much more data down there. I can see oh, who's absolutely. engaged. I can see who's sleepy. I sure. can see who's hot, who's cold. Sure. I've yeah. w- and, and I'll walk as far into the audience as the mic cord will allow me to yeah. walk. If I'm carrying a wireless mic, great. I will go all the way around the room, mm-hmm. and I will speak to my audience from behind my audience yeah. if I can. I'm delivering a message supplemental and subliminal to the message that is the text of my speech, and that is I'm right here with you. I'm like you. I'm on your level. Yeah. I'm willing to work with you. I'm willing to play with you. I'm willing to communicate with you on your level. And I I usually try to go to the person who looks least engaged or interested and put a hand on their shoulder and speak to the rest of the audience. But what I'm communicating to that person is, dude, I got you. I see you. (laughs) I could crush you right now. (laughs) No, no. (laughs) Oh, that's not what you're communicating. Okay, because that's what I'd be saying. But you know what I'm saying. But you're you're, so you're just going to reach them another way. I care whether or not you get anything out of this. That's great. Um, Don't you think you could those break are just the a rules? Few tricks of See, the trade. and the funny thing I found is if your passion, if you know your content, like you're saying, mm-hmm. and your people and the people trust you, you've earned their trust. Yep. You can break every speaking rule. You there are no rules at that point. Like I break every rule. I'll bet you do. I really do. And it's I'll dangerous. It's embarrassing. And I've even had the police called. Um, but <laughs> really? I really have. Can't actually. say I've had but that. It was, I, it was just a bad joke. And then the police showed up. Um, but anyway, it, I it hasn't been proven. It hasn't been proven. But what I found is it, the rules go away when a few principles are in place. Like mm-hmm. you know your stuff right. and you're passionate right. and you um, that you have their trust. Mm-hmm. Once you've got those two, they will give you so much power to influence them. And then what I see is they – after a while, you might start making them tense like, oh, you're saying something they don't like and they start to shut down. Mm-hmm. And then I find a little humor, throw a little humor in there and they open right back a up. A little humor can go so far. Think? It's yeah, like, the, it's like they're absolutely. a breathing, living entity. I see it happen all the time. That's, oh, I love it. Yeah. So we don't need to be afraid of it. But there are, the basic rules are know your stuff, find your passion, mm-hmm. and um, – and, and get down on their level. Get down with them. Know what you're going to say. Believe what you're going to say. You have to believe it. Absolutely. Did you find that in the news? Sometimes you just ugh, Oh, couldn't. most of the stories I reported, Whatever. I had very little interest in, to be yeah. honest with you, because they were assigned me mm-hmm. and they were tasked me. And frankly, uh, you know, half of the stories I reported, I, 
argued against reporting and in the, we don't even in the morning story. story meeting. How yeah. is this news, guys? Yeah. Help me figure this out. Oh, I bet that's hard. And, that, and, and yet, you've got to go out at 4, 5, 6, and 10, and you've got to sell that story. Smile. Yeah. You're, and you've got to hit your mark. And, it's, and, and that was what I think is why I wanted you on the show, because it's hard to do that and then to still deliver and to still deliver. But you would just always fall back to your same principles. Everybody has a story. Mm-hmm. Every story has something for somebody. And my... Uh, objective and my and my and my uh, responsibility as a journalist was to find that element. What, what what is the element like? What's the like? How do you get that element inside of you inside someone else? What do you notice was the key? Like what were the stories that like moved you that you went out and you thought, oh, this is crazy, lady. Everybody wants to know that they're going to be okay. Everybody wants to know how to be okay. Everybody wants to know what they might be able to do or know or Mm. believe or uh, look for, listen for tomorrow that's going to make their life a little bit better than it was today. That's a universal, isn't it? Everybody wants to know. What's in it for me? They're good. Yeah. Yeah. And how this applies to me at my level. Exactly. And if you can deliver something of value whether it's a minute and a half report on a on a on a on a five car pile up on the freeway mm-hmm. or uh or an inspirational speech to a group of uh, of volunteers or uh, um or a pitch at a venture capital uh convention if the people who are your audience can find something that's in it for them You've done your job. Boom. You will connect. They will pay attention, and they will understand and appreciate what it is that you have to say. I love it. It's the human factor. It's kind of the human it's side of it. It's always the it? human factor. That's the only way to move it yeah. is by moving the human. So I guess what you do is you get one of your, your scientists to go do the presentation, but to tell the story so that it – so it's relatable at the basic level. Show that they're going to be able to make money, these venture capitalists or whomever they're working with. Mm-hmm. But also, I guess, and this this new drug or whatever is going to save the lives of little girls. You put 100 in people story. in a room and you ask the rhetorical question, does anybody in the room have a family member or have a friend who suffers from Parkinson's disease? Oh. And at least 10 hands will go up. Yeah. Really? Who are we talking about here? Oh, really? This is your father. Oh, this is your aunt uh, uh, Betty. Betty. Yeah. Yeah. I have an aunt Betty. Everyone does. She has Parkinson's. <laughs> uh, well, uh, let me tell you about something that your aunt, that your father, that your brother, that your nephew, that your grandmother yep. could benefit from. All right. And they're throwing money at you at yeah. that point. You've 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 just made it human. We've changed the dialogue. Mm-hmm. We've humanized it. Even if I didn't have the grandmother or the aunt, I'm sitting next to the woman that does. Exactly. And that's human. We've led with the lead. Love it. The headline. And that can work anywhere. Mm-hmm. Even I mean at a job interview. We oh, can sure. we can apply it to you have a need and I can help with that need. I want to be able to bring to your organization Something that's going to make it more profitable, make it run more efficiently, and make you look like a genius. That's right. I've used that line Have you really? in several job interviews. My objective in this interview, sir, is to make you look like a genius. Bing! 
Okay. Because once I've done that, <laughs> yeah, I have in. done my job. Love it. And But that takes pre-work. So I guess that's the other principle is you've got to be prepared. Yeah. And yeah, see, it, what's interesting, the better prepared you've been, the easier – everyone thinks you can just wing all of this stuff. Mm-hmm. But it's because you've been prepared. Once you're prepared to do it, you can wing it. But. I'm sitting here looking at you and I don't know if the folks at home want to hear this or not, but he's got a paragraph of notes. <laughs> and we're, we're making – this guy, it's Matt, you're just, making – you're well, making 15 minutes of radio out of one paragraph well, I have of people notes. people talking in my ear telling me the next thing to say. <laughs> oh, you're hearing voices? I'm, I'm hearing I'm not voices. Hearing but it's but true, you've huh? put in the preparation yeah. long before you walked into the studio. Right. So you're able to come in here with a paragraph of notes, and you're able to sound like you're winging it, um, look yeah. like you're winging it, but everything it. <laughs> is everything is yeah. carefully calculated, and the preparation was done a long time See, ago. That is, and that's here, but you do that. People should be able to do that, but that takes time, that takes focus, that takes mm-hmm. – and I think, too, uh, you have to – like you said, you have to have the mission, the pers- the, per- the purpose, yeah. the passion in your heart. Yeah. Then Every, it comes out. Everybody needs a muse. If, it's not a, if yeah. it's not a person, it's a mirror. That's right. You know what? Sit down. Practice. Oh, I hate that. Ask them to critique you. Yeah. I mean – Or a is partner. A, you just need a wife. A, this is a life skill. Thank you. Or, you know. Uh, are you telling me I need a wife? Yeah, you need a wife. I already know that, man. John, you need a wife. I already know that. Your muse. <laughs> She'll give you the feedback. This this is a life skill that everyone benefits yeah. from. And so, you know, why would you not work on this skill? It's I agree. And I appreciate you being here because Thank you, sir. We we need it. We needed it. People need it. Coco, uh, Corinne Collins needs it. Everybody on earth needs it, right? That's why we're here. Now, John, give us really quickly the website where we can find you. Oh, my website's under construction, Matt. Okay. Where do you want them to get you? Email. Uh, John, du- John at johndupree.com. D-U-P-R-E. Yes. J-O-N-D-U-P-R-E.com. Awesome. Appreciate yep. you, brother. You bet. You're a good man. Okay, we'll be back with a, a wrap-up of the show, giving you everything we need to learn to communicate right here on the Matt Townsend Show on Sirius XM 143 BYU Radio. Connect with Matt on BYU Radio's Facebook page and Twitter at BYU Radio. Sirius XM 143. BYU Radio. As the demand for worldwide energy increases, so does the need for technologies to fulfill those energy needs. One company is going deep below the ocean blue to find a solution. This is Innovation Now, bringing you stories of revolutionary ideas, emerging technologies, and the people behind the concepts that shape the future. Energy demand across the globe is huge, and resources like oil and natural gas can have harmful effects on our planet. That's why many scientists are looking at ways to harness greener energy sources as we look toward the future. A Swedish company, Minesto, is diving into the challenge by developing the deep green underwater kite. The prototype kite consists of a wing with a turbine and a generator attached to the seabed by a tether. The ocean current flows past the turbine, spinning the generator to create electricity. As the kite glides with the tide, the electricity is then transmitted onshore through a power cable inside the tether. Seawater, being 800 times denser than air, can potentially generate much more energy than wind turbines, and the motion of the kite moving through the sea intensifies the power of the ocean current, so the device can work effectively even in slower water. The kites promise low weight and low cost, adding to their energy efficiency. 
That makes the idea a serious contender for sustainable, renewable energy. For Innovation Now, this is Crystal Browning. Innovation Now is produced by the National Institute of Aerospace through collaboration with NASA and is distributed by WHRV. Visit us online at innovationnow.us. Start your day right with Marcus Smith and the morning team. We're going to talk about um, just stuff, you know, lots of st- things that show up that, that once we're in your home and they go to somebody else's home and how do they get there? Maybe by way of a thrift store. Join in for conversation on current topics and events from around BYU campus and the world and get your morning talking. Tune into the morning show weekdays at 9 a.m. Eastern on Sirius XM 143 BYU Radio. Welcome back, everybody, to the Matt Townsend Show. We're wrapping up the, the show today about, you know, hitting our mark and uh, nailing it in our communication, our public presentation. Now, we all know, you know, as we get into this, that there are some differences in the accents that we use here in the United States and the United Kingdom. But we both speak English. So how could two people that speak English speak it in such different ways. Well, here's Corinne Collins reporting on her pronunciation pet peeves, so watch out. As a British person living in the United States, it's a real understatement to say that some of the words you guys use annoy me. And by words, I mean pronunciation, idioms, sayings, and so on. And of course, this is because I don't get them all but also because half of them don't even make sense. For example, it really bothers me when people say, I could care less. You could care less. Well, that means that you care enough to care less than you do, which is obviously very different from saying that you couldn't care less, meaning that you don't care at all. Get my drift? I also hate when people say, hold down the fort. If there's a fort that's being attacked and we need to defend it, we're not trying to hold it down, We're just holding it security. The fort isn't going to float away or anything, is it? And what about buoy? Really? What is that? A buoy? I suppose you also say buoyant instead of buoyant, right? No, you don't. So buoy makes little to no sense. In my students' writing, I see a lot of thans instead of thens. I've been told that something is paposterous. P-A-P-O-S-T-E-R-O-U-S. And please don't start me on hearing mil instead of meal, milk instead of milk, and my all-time favorite, that no one actually knows how to properly pronounce my name, which has led me to rename myself Corinne for the ease of, well, everyone. In fact, transatlantic communication is probably harder than we all think, which is why the idiom two countries divided by a common language rings true. But another truth is this. We are different, and we just have to accept it. Well... I do, because I'm confronted with it every single day. So while I can penalize my students for writing than instead of then, and I'll never understand why the road isn't called Middle Drive if the pavement is called the sidewalk, I just have to accept these things and grumble about them to myself or on Facebook. Gosh, she's negative. She is neg. No, I'm just kidding, Coco. You did great. And yes, we will hold down the fort for you. And if you could grab me a glass of milk, that would be great. Ben's got something to say on this one, Ben. I just found out Corinne's not her real name, though. I didn't know that. It's Corinne. 
It's Koran. It's Koran. <laughs> we don't know how to say it right. How do you say it? Get in here. Corin. Corin. So you just go with Corin? I like Coco. Well, that's that's why I call you Coco. Well, that makes sense, yeah. Don't you think Coco's easier? I think that's why I like people call Corinne me Corinne Collins. or Coco. Corin. Oh, see, we're so backwards. Americans, come on. Unite. Hold down the fort. And get some milk. <laughs> hold down the fort against a nuclear attack? A nuclear attack for Is all intensive purposes. <laughs> Because our purposes are so intensive, not intense. I'm going to speak to my realtor about that. Yeah, I love realtors with nuclear problems. (laughs) Um, Isn't it funny? We really – you would think this would all come second nature, wouldn't you? Or did you have have another like – did you not like second natural? No, what was the – you had one. Oh, the sidewalk. We had a big fight about the sidewalk one and the middle road. Yeah. If it's if it's if you call it a sidewalk, why isn't it a middle drive? Why do we drive on the parkway and park on the driveway? <laughs> Is that what yeah. you're trying to get at? Yeah, exactly. We're messed up. That's why. But here's the crazy thing. We all communicate supposedly and um p- p- supposedly. But when we get into it in the end, are we still connecting? That's one of the things that I love about communications, which is why I studied it and and just fell in love with it is um the most universal language of all people are these nonverbals, right? If I punch you in the nose, you're going to show the face of pain. If I punch you in the nose in Uganda, you're still going to show the face of pain. If I punch you in Argentina, you're still going to show the face of pain. The face of pain is universal. So apparently, whether we're speaking the words right or not, there's something going on inside us that still can detect if you're in pain or if you're in pleasure, if you're afraid, if you're embarrassed. So I guess one of our challenges to you, and uh, John alluded to this earlier, is we've got to reach the people. It's in the heart of the people that communication takes place. Our words are all messed up, as Corinne perfectly illustrated. But our intent can still be there. And when the words don't add up, your passion, your your belief in what you're talking about, your connection to who you are, it can all be there. And so our challenge to you as we wrap up today's show, we had tons of fun about the communication topic Just go out there and start paying more attention. Be more present in your conversations. Prepare yourself to be successful. Darn it, you're successful people, right? So prepare yourself, give, and start paying attention to what other people are saying. Maybe more their intent than their words. And um, you might be amazed at what you see or hear when people are actually talking to you, especially as John taught us at home. Good stuff. Thanks for listening to us, everybody. Again, we'd love to hear more from you. If you have any desire to talk to us or send us any information, give us a buzz. Uh, You can just uh, email us at talk at byu.edu. Thanks for listening. We'll be back tomorrow right here on the Matt Townsend Show on Sirius XM 143 BYU Radio. KBYU-FM, HD2, Provo. Today's Thinking Aloud originally aired earlier this year. The following is a production of BYU Broadcasting.